Good morning, and welcome to Latinx in the Inland Empire. I wanted to give everyone a description, especially our Claremont College University community, of what our podcast is going to do. This podcast series will explore contemporary Latinx life in the Inland Empire and our relationships to geography and to one another. Each episode invites guests to delve into a different topic facing Latinx people today in the Inland Empire. My name is Eric Ignacio Thomas. I am a first-year doctoral student in cultural studies at CGU. I was born in Bogota, Colombia, and raised in Latin America. However, I call the Inland Empire home. I'm fluent in Spanish, and I'm a cultural historian researching college access, social media, and higher education leadership in relation to the Latinx lived experience. If you would like, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Avila Thomas. All right. Our first guest this week on episode one of Latinx in the Empire is Miss Marissa Hicks Alcaraz. Yes. Good morning, Marissa. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So I had the pleasure of meeting you in Professor David Lewis Brown's Mapping Latinx Studies class. And it was very inspired by all the work that you're doing at the university. Can you briefly tell us what you're doing yeah, sure. Of course. I'd love to. Um, so as part of my dissertation, I'm building a, a Latinx digital moving image archive and archiving collective. Um, it's called Imaginex en Movimiento uh, or Ixem. And um, what really motivated the project was actually while I was working as an adjunct at Cal Poly Pomona in the Ethnic and Women's Studies Department, and I was teaching Chicanx Latinx film. And when we got, when I was looking for films specifically by Latinas and queer folks, it was just super hard um, mm. to actually get the film and the videos because they're, most of them are not available online. Um, you can't st stream them. Um, and so I'd have to go through interlibrary loans, which I could only do because I already had university access, you know. Mm -hmm. But if I was just a regular person um, or I mean somebody who's not affiliated with um, uh, the university, then it would not even be an option. Right. So mm -hmm. I would I would order them and it would take two or three weeks, which meant that I had to be planning very carefully for the. Um, for the course um, and sometimes they would tell me that um, they wouldn't be available to be checked out or be sent because they only had one copy other times they would send me um, like these out, uh, outdated formats like VHS or DVD mm -hmm. sometimes I didn't have access to a VCR or the DVDs would um, be all scratched and um, so and and it's not only that, but um, in terms of the lack of availability of um, or accessibility of these works, it's also that um, our artists, especially like Latinas and queer folks, are are dying. Essentially, they're dying of poverty. Um, you know, they're dying of manageable diseases like um, Laura Aguilar, who is a, a photographer, a queer photographer, Chicana photographer. 
and um, she died recently of complications to of um, diabetes. You know, and it's like nobody should be dying of manageable diseases mm-hmm. like this. So um, we wanted to create an archive that is um, that digitizes these kinds of work. You know, starting from the '60s and forward. And um, we also wanted to engage the community and um, give and to to co-develop tools and skills with the QT BIPOC community in Southern California to help um, support uh, these communities better um, control uh, their narratives. Thank you so much. One thing that comes to mind Mm -hmm. that you spoke about really is the importance of co-developing these skills. As someone who is bilingual myself, um, how much does language pay a part in this process of archiving our Latinx community or Chicana X when a lot of us speak two languages? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What an incredible challenge Mm -hmm. and important work. mm -hmm. Right. I think one of the reasons why these um, films and videos are not deemed valuable, are not shown, is because they are in a different language, you know, and um, that involves resources to subtitle them. And if you don't think that they're valuable, then, you know, that project is not going to be made, essentially. Um, Like, for example, like I took a Mexican cinema class at NYU um, while I was getting my master's and they had um, a visiting professor from Mexico City and all the films that he showed were in Spanish and were not available um, with subtitles. And so the class just had no idea because they were almost all English speakers. They had no idea what was going on other than like um, trying to translate kind of like the the body gestures and, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that does a, a huge disservice. You know, it means that, you know, scholarship is not going to be focusing on those kinds of films, mm-hmm. you know. And but also in terms of like language is, um, you know, we what we really focus on in the archive is the the lived experiences of um, the communities that we work with. You know, um, a a concept that I'm developing is um, digital rascuachismo. And so uh, rascuachismo- Can you say that one more time? Sure, sorry. (laughs) Digital rascuachismo. (laughs) Rascuachismo. Rascuachismo. Rascuachismo, excuse me. Yeah, so the term um, was developed, it it was originally a Nahuatl term. Um, used by um, the Uta Aztecs. And so over time, though, it's been used mostly by artists, um, Chicanx artists, and it's it's an attitude, it's a sensibility, it's political, mm-hmm. it's, it's using the tools that are available to us at hand, um, you know, because we have li- limited resources, but it's also like a form of resistance as well. So mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to take that as a kind of framework for the archive. So it's, um, it's, you know, using the tools that are already available to the community, you know, Mm -hmm. because they come, we believe that, um, the communities come, communities come with their own set of like knowledge, um, you know, knowledge of ways of being, knowledge of ways of doing, um, 
And so we're hoping in terms of like co-development, we're hoping to work, you know, with the community so we can develop these tools that are more in line with the realities of these communities. So like, for example, like we're using um, Vimeo as our database, you know, and Squarespace as our website rather than more like professional Mm -hmm. accepted um, kinds of platforms. And we've gotten a lot of pushback from the academic community. Um, I think they're they're kind of scandalized about the idea of using something that is so like um, un that is just what's the word maybe untraditional. Yeah. So so something that's like not permanent, you know, something Mm. that is so fragile and that you can't necessarily control because as soon as you give those videos. Um, you put them on Vimeo or on Instagram, it's like those platforms, then um, they own them essentially. Mm-hmm. But um, our argument is that, you know, we, we, t- we need to rethink preservation, you know, and we need to focus more on people and um, their survival, but also, you know, survival, but also thriving. Um and, um, you know, so I, I feel like the traditional mainstream archives, they're more centered on um, material objects and the preservation of the material. But we're um, focusing on uh, people and, you know, their livelihood mm-hmm. and um, their sustainability, you know. So we'd like to use another approach where preservation um, relies on relationship building, you know, with the community. And, and so it's like if something goes down, then we can reach out to that community member and they already feel like hopefully we've established trust and they feel comfortable, you know, sharing it on, on our database. Um, again, you know, because also we're not, um, we're, we don't own the material. We're not going to own the material. So, um, it's the ownership is going to continue to stay with the content creator and you know maybe there'll be one year where they're totally on board Mm -hmm. you know but then that might change in the future so we're really working with the community to make sure that you know and and establishing um you know solid relationships um so that like if there is some kind of a change like we can adapt to that right so one thing i really like that is very relevant is this asset, looking at Latinos, Chicanos, Mm -hmm. as people with lived knowledge Mm -hmm. and lived experience, um, specifically around language, Mm -hmm. culture, immigration, family. What I really like about using these alternative formats of Vimeo is that it allows our community, I believe, Mm to continue to give these stories a place. Right. Um, Thank you so much. I wanted to also ask, who is behind this organization? Mm. Because as a new Claremont graduate university student, I feel very fortunate that our community has such a support and resource. So who is behind this? Yeah, so um, our collective consists of um, community technologists. So um, a couple of members from Color Coded, yeah, which is a um, it's a community 
based um, a digital tech collective that's based in Boyle Heights. And then um, we also have, um, you know, image image, uh, makers, moving image makers, uh, curators, and educators as well. Um, and, and also it's like, we're a collective. Mm -hmm. And so we're really trying to come up, come up also with like alternative, um, organizational structures, you know? So, um, all of us have worked in nonprofits, you know, for example, and, um, I've worked with nonprofits since I was 17. I've been doing it for 15 years. So pretty much, you know, half my life now. And, And it's very similar with the other members. And we've, gotten a behind the scene looks of what nonprofits look like. And um, we just feel like it's a, unfortunately, it's a failed model. You know, it, it's, it's hierarchical. And we've seen how the, the people who are actually doing most of the work get paid the least and are um, not as recognized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking for something that is more um, organized horizontally, you know, and, and it's where the, the work is shared. And and that's also what the dissertation focuses on is like, how do you build community? How do you get, how do you build a collective and um, make sure that everyone feels like um, they belong, that they have ownership of the project and, um, you know, and that, that everybody feels like that they can contribute something and want to contribute. Uh, something to the collective. I really like the use of, you said, uh, horizontal access because mm-hmm. it is similar to like a ladder. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, um, like Even in said, the nonprofit system, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like the communities that they were meant to, to support in the end, um, they don't end up fulfilling their missions, you know, mm-hmm. and instead following their own agendas, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. Um, I did want to ask you one other question. Mm-hmm. So what does the academic year for, hold for you guys? What are you all working on this semester? Yeah. So actually, the other members are not PhD students. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So um, uh, Cassandra Gonzalez is a um she works for a middle school, so she teaches um, art m- more broadly, photography, um, and then focuses on photography and filmmaking as well. And um, we're collaborating with the Southern California Library. Mm-hmm. That's where our digital media lab is going to be housed. Yeah. That is incredible. <laughs> I wow. know. We're so excited. And we just actually got a grant that is going to allow us to fully develop the the digital lab so hopefully we'll have that up and running by the summer and we're um, also applying for a grant for Cassandra to teach filmmaking courses but um, in line with this um, digital rasquachismo is we're giving workshops on um, how to make films using your cell phones you know which is one of the more accessible ways um, you know to to make film and mm-hmm. and shared share your story. Um, and then the other members are, like I said, they're part of color coded and, Mm -hmm. and so, and they do different things, um, design work, um, uh, they do community workshops just related to digital technology. Um, I actually went to them at the very early stages of this project, because one of the things that they offer is community support for individuals who are wanting to start 
um, these groups, these organizations, you know, things like this. And so they helped me develop it in its early stages and then um, continued to work with me and our members as well. Um, so I can't speak to like what they will be doing right. <laughs> in the next year, but, um, I, w I'm right in the middle of qualifying exams. Mm -hmm. So I'm just about to take my second exam. Um, and so I am taking them one at a time because it's mm -hmm. more manageable for mm -hmm. like all the different projects that I'm, I'm juggling with right now. And then I'm going to be giving, um, a podcasting workshop series through one of the undergrad classes. And, um, oh, and also going back to the qualifying exams, I'm going to be giving a, a workshop on um, using digital tools for studying for qualifying exams. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we can, I can share like what I've learned. Mm -hmm. um, and then also we can have a conversation about like, what are the different tools that, students have used um what are the different tools that maybe they see themselves using and then just be like a also like a support system like mm -hmm. a community that is going through you know is at the same stage mm -hmm. so um that will be uh december 3rd and that's part of yeah it'll be this semester and that's part of the digital research studio um digital pop-up and anybody can do a pop-up um right. and so like anybody who um, wants to learn more about um, a certain digital tool, this is a space where they can explore it like with peers. Or there's another series called um, um, How I Made It, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll be giving a workshop in the spring as part of that series related to um, Ixam's approach to digital archiving, you know, and... Um, so there, the, and that's something that is available to anybody, you know, mm -hmm. related to anything. Um, so it's just a, a chance to, you know, share with people the projects that they're working on and show them how they made it and how um, others can do it as well. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. And also what I'm really excited about is uh, Ivo Ishii, who's the um, yeah, <laughs> I know. She's amazing. Uh, she's my advisor as well. And so she's the chair of um, uh, cultural studies. Mm -hmm. And so we wrote an article together um, on our experiences uh, curating identity-based film festivals. And that was out of the a special issue on activism for the Feminist Media Histories Journal. And um, we're going to be presenting our work at the American Studies Association in Hawaii. So, and that's going to be in a couple of weeks. Wow. Yeah. yeah so. so I do want to just follow up for our listeners because you um, gave us so much incredible information. <clears throat> Number one, <laughs> yeah. is there a website for ImagenX? or a Twitter, mm -hmm. or a place where our uh, student community of faculty and staff can get involved or Sure. Um, so we do have an Instagram account. Okay. Um, it's very new. So okay. all it has on there is our logo. <laughs> but if you, you want to follow us, you'll be the first to know about, you know, where we're at at the project or, you know, promoting any events, um, you know, workshops. Mm -hmm. We want to do a whole movie day soon, too. Um, and so um, our handle is Ixem, I-X-E-M underscore collective. And we don't have a website yet, but we're working on it. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also follow me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, my handle is Mari underscore La underscore Nopalita. 
Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Is there anything else you would like our community of Latinx and the Inland Empire to know mm-hmm. about all the work you guys are doing in Claremont? Yeah. Um, well, so there is going to be a, a volunteer opportunity. Yeah. And um, we're doing it through the Latinx Graduate Student Union. Okay. I'm the programming director, events director um, for the LGSU. And so we're going to take a day where we um, get out to the Southern California Library and um, we're going to help organize their collections. So if anybody would like um, to get involved in mm-hmm. that, you know, you can reach out to me, follow me on, on um, Instagram, or you can follow the LGSU Instagram page as well. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And another question, where is, for us that live in the Inland Empire, where is the Southern California Library? Is that- so it's in South LA. <laughs> South Los Angeles. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, and then also... Um, we um, there was a programming committee that got together out of the LGSU, and uh, we applied for the Holmes grant. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was for um, unique performances to bring out uh, performers that we wouldn't normally be able to um, support either out of or organize um, either because of geographic distance or because of, um, funding, you know, limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we are going to have three performers out, um, in the spring. So the first one is going to be on February 8th and that is a play called Manil and Her Heart. And, um, that was written by a, uh, now 17 year old, um, a uh, young woman from the Kawila community in um, the Riverside area, Southern mm-hmm. California area, and um, it's a it's it's bringing awareness to um, the missing and murdered women of indigenous communities. So that's going to be at the Garrison Theater um, at seven p.m. and um, February thirteenth, we're going to have um, uh, Gabby Moreno. Um, out for a performance. She's a musician and she's from Guatemala. And, uh, you know, she blends different kind of genres, um, blues and folk with like Latin American um, rhythms. And she's going to be talking about her new album, um, Spangled, which hmm. is, I think, would really resonate with our community right now because mm-hmm. it is very um, political, mm-hmm. you know, refers to, um, you know, immigration. Um, um, deportation, you know, um, those kinds of things. And then the, uh, the third is going to be sometime in April. We don't have the dates locked down yet, mm-hmm. but, um, that's going to be by a Latino, uh, Latina theater ensemble, um, from Anaheim. And, um, they're uh, called Breath of Fire and they're going to be, uh, performing a play and then a Q and A and then, uh, an interactive playing Q&A with the audience. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much, Marissa Hicks Alcaraz. I yeah. feel like we have a lot of homework <laughs> and also a lot of opportunities for us to engage right, more totally. Chicano mm-hmm. and Latinx culture, not mm-hmm. only on campus, mm-hmm. but also, I think, in the greater LA area. Right. I want to thank you so much for mm-hmm. taking the time to be pleasure. our first guest. Thank you so much for the opportunity and uh, good luck. Thank you. We're going to close this segment talking a little bit about Dia de los Muertos, 
Day of the Dead celebration and ofrendas happening in the Inland Empire. As an uncle, or tío, as they call me, I've learned that there's some important safety tips that will make our Halloween and Dia de los Muertos celebrations more fun. Some of those safety tips, unfortunately, are, you know, try to keep your swords and knives and other accessories to your costume short and flexible and soft. Um, take a buddy. Get out there, enjoy all the events with a friend. Walk in groups. Try and carry a flashlight. Remember, try and never to accept rides from strangers. Thank you so much. From Studio B3 at Claremont Graduate University, this is Latinx in the Inland Empire. <laughs>